is the Powerful Nonsense Podcast. Learn everything you need to know to make a living outside the 9 to 5 grind and crush it at life. You'll learn from inspirational guests and in-depth discussions. Go from employee to entrepreneur and start creating a life you love and still pay the bills. So here are your hosts, Wayne Ingram and Jem Yildiz. Let's get on with the show! This podcast is sponsored by the University of Northampton, the first UK university to be awarded the Ashoka U Changemaker Campus status in recognition for their commitment to social entrepreneurship. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Hello. To another powerful nonsense extravaganza. A late night session. Late night session for us. This is weird. Yeah, but this is becoming a thing now, right? Oh, I don't know. Last time was a Sunday. Us meeting up at night time, is that what you're saying? You love it. <laughs> yeah. Um, thank you very much for tuning in. If this is your first time, welcome. Where have you been? And if this isn't your first time, then thanks for coming back. <laughs> <laughs> um, for those that have not listened before, I am Wayne Ingram. I am Jemmy Yordiz. And yeah, this is Powerful Nonsense. This is our show. It is. Um, it's going to be, I'm predicting, we oh, don't right. know, we don't know. But I'm predicting this might be a slightly longer episode than usual. We've got a lot we want to talk about. Um, Does that mean we're going to jump straight in? So, yeah, I'm not going to mess around too much because we've got a lot to try and no squeeze in. around a bush. But I'm going to try and get it at least within 45 minutes. At least. Cool. But we'll see how we go. Um, so. What are we doing for this episode? It's a slightly different episode. It is. It's a slightly different. We testing. haven't done an episode like this before. This is a... It's testing new ground, see how it goes. But I'm kind of looking forward to it. Um, so over the sort of Christmas, early New Year period, Gemini came across... Gemini. I'm a Gemini. Gemini. Uh, Gem and I uh, came across a few articles which piqued our interest and kind of fits in line with kind of a lot of the stuff that we talk about. So we thought we'd break a few things down. So to be got, honest, we're always kind of like pinging over posts yeah. to each other and then we have little debates and then yeah. it's kind of like, hmm, so these we thought are quite we'd interesting do it. topics, let's Exactly, so we out. thought we'd do it on the on the airwaves, even though this is digital internet media, so it's not really airwaves, but I suppose it is if it's Wi-Fi, so hey, airwaves. Um, <laughs> so we've got three kind of articles slash topics points. that we kind of want to break down and they're all kind of linked. It's all kind of about... The use, our use of the internet, and more specifically social media, um, which is starting to become a bit of a topic in the zeitgeist amongst young people now. Like, before, it felt like it was all the oldies going, oh, these people are not going to have real relationships because mm. they're sat on Facebook all day and all night. Yeah, and to be honest, I've been listening to a lot of stuff lately and everyone's saying, you know, people are saying like virtual reality. They're saying we're already living in a digital world and I think mm -hmm. it is because of our like, we're so ingrained in that social world already with social media mm -hmm. and then people are saying, oh, but what's going to happen when uh, virtual reality comes along? But actually, right. we're already we're massively... Already there. Yeah, we're already there. We're already there. We're already living these digital lives. Yeah. So, um, I'm going to jump in <clears throat> with the first kind of talking point. Um Specifically referencing a uh, article from Mashable.com. We'll link in the show notes to the article. Um, and the article's title is Posting Pictures of Your Kids on Facebook? Think Twice. Now, this is really interesting, right? <laughs> so, um, 
there's also going to be a running theme here of France for the first two articles. Really? Because they both come from France, which I think is also quite interesting. Um, so uh, under France's rigorous privacy laws, parents could now face penalties of up to a year in prison and a fine of €45,000, which translates to $46,456, I don't know, in British just, pounds. Just in case you Just were. in case you <laughs> wanted to know. Um, <laughs> if uh, So they could face those two things if they're convicted of publicising intimate details of their children without their consent on social media. So is this like photos or just intimate as in details all it says, about them? All the article says is intimate details. But I would imagine like pictures of the baby in the bath, mm. which you see a lot, mm-hmm. could be considered intimate, I yeah. would say. So I imagine photos would, uh, would be in that, right? But my question is, we'll get, there's more <laughs> to this article, but my first question is, at face value, and I'm sure we'll get into the reasons why and our justifications as we go through the article. But at face value, does that punishment seem a bit extreme? I think so. But I think they're probably thinking, go extreme. They're obviously thinking it's a serious issue. Uh-huh. And so being extreme is going to stop people doing it. But I think it's the same as that whole British thing about like if you take your kids out of school for holidays, they yeah. tried to fine you. But I think it was like £50, and we don't do fines as well in the UK, obviously. Because <laughs> people think, sod it, I'll save 50 quid off my holiday rather than going in the peak summer or something like that. But I think that is very extreme. Yeah. But I do think it's a, a bit whole vague. year in prison. A yeah. whole year for possibly putting a picture of your could, baby in the bath. Could you imagine, though, because there's so many people... I know a lot of my friends. I don't really use my Facebook too much. Like I don't see the stream, but I know back, in, back when I did... There was like pictures every week of people sharing their kids mm. or you've got friends who literally mm. are the only thing they share is their kids. Yeah. And I guess it kind of goes back to like back in the day, you're kind of, for us anyway, when you like parents or friends come over, they might pull out the albums and show pictures of you right. in the bath and this and that. But I guess nowadays for these kids, unfortunately, their whole growing up experience is basically slavered all over the internet. Right. Well, well. Oh, it's funny go. that you should say that because this is kind of the justification, right, for um, for why they've why they've done this. So, uh, to quote the article, part of the issue is our tendency for oversharing. A recent study by Nominate, which handles the UK's .uk domain name industry, uh, registry, found that parents post. Now, this is this is phenomenal. It's simple maths, but actually, I was like, that's a really good point. Uh, found that parents post nearly 200 photos of their under fives online every year. Every okay? year? Every year. This means, and this was the bit that I was like, oh shit, this means that a child will feature in around a thousand online photos before their fifth birthday. Yeah, that is mental. Right? This new norm means that many children will have a powerful digital identity created by someone else. And without realising it, are we choosing to upload posts about our kids that we hope will get the most audience attention? And if so, how is this skewing the identity that we're shaping for them? And for this generation of kids, the publicizing of their lives can start even before they were born, when parents broadcast photos to all their friends and their friends' friends of an antenatal scan. Right. 
so it's like it's like your your um, employer of the future is going to look back at your first five years and be like, oh yeah, he was playing with his own shit, so he's not going to be a hard worker, <laughs> right? <laughs> or this one was creating bricks and writing his name at the age of two, right. or whatever else. It but could this be. is this is the issue, right? So my my little brother, for example, there is a home video somewhere. Um, I think he was seven, so he doesn't quite fit into this. Um, he might have been a little bit older. But there's a video of my little brother somewhere. Sorry, bro, because I know you listen to the show. You're going to hate me for this. Um, there's a, there was a, it was a party, and <laughs> we decided he was basically throwing a paddy, yeah. right? And we decided <laughs> because we dealt with him having paddies all the time of locking him in the garden shed. <laughs> Is that not abuse? <laughs> it kind of is abuse. But we were kids as well. It was fine. But there was <laughs> a window in the shed. So we've got the camera pointing into the window of the shed and just filming my brother absolutely kicking off in this shed, right? Now, had that been now, that would have been filmed on a smartphone, posted all over Snapchat, all over Facebook, all over Twitter, everywhere, right? Because look how funny this is. And everybody would be like, ha, 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 like... Um, but that could lead to my brother having a reputation of being really fucking aggressive, mm-hmm. even though he's only seven years old, but it's on the internet. So if somebody wanted to use that as a reason to not employ him, which is crazy, which is crazy, but it, let's say they needed to narrow it down because they got so many job applications and they did enough digging, they could find that and be like, nah, this kid's too aggressive. He's like, well, he's not a kid anymore. He's like 21. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. But I, w- I wonder what the angle the sort of government has seen it as, because obviously there's a lot of safety issues around posting online. And I thought e- even so as well, I think people don't really get that correlation between the fact that actually just posting, I mean, we had like a quote that we were saying, like every like is data in the same mm. way that every post that you're putting out is data for somebody else. So I'm pretty sure like, Facebook, even if you're posting a picture, are picking up algorithms like where they can kind of track that what you're posting is a baby's face, and so maybe we'll send you adverts from mother care. Right. Well, this is it. This is the, this is the digital footprint, and and this is kind of the problem that that they're trying, I think, to to stop is is making sure that the, the main issue really from what they're saying is that that the digital footprint of the individual comes from the individual and not from other people. Because basically they're protecting that person's personal brand. Yeah, and I guess in the same way that... Which is going to be even more important going into the future than it is even now. Yeah, but I think even in terms of back to advertising a little way is that in the same way that they used to say they put like um, kids TV adverts on, I think if that child already has an identity online of things or stuff it might be interesting or the mm. family, it'll know how much the parent owns so they'll know how to market what the kid might likely buy. And yeah. so it's kind of the fact that... So then actually it can start to affect the child's offline identity as well because the sorts of things that their parents are introducing the child to uh-huh. will be based off of the digital footprint that the, the parents, parents have created of them. rather than actually the identity of the child based on their wants and desires. Exactly. I hadn't thought about that. So in that case, it can get really dangerous in the fact that we're saying that if if those kids, we know the kids are going to be picking up iPads from three years old. Mm -hmm. So basically, based on what the parents are like, the the kid is automatically printed digitally with that kind of... So in a way, it is... And we we know that people kind of... You look at people on Facebook, they are... They heightenly become what they are perceived to be online. Mm -hmm. And so if the parent has said, well, this child 
is like this in the way that we've portrayed him. Oh, he loves dressing up in uh, girls' clothing or she likes yeah. playing with these kind of things. Then it only is going to it go to the extremes of those things and stuff like that. So you don't know how... I think people don't realise that it's not just posting a picture to your family and your friends and, oh, that's really nice. It's posting it to the world. It's posting it to the world, but it's yeah. posting it to people who have got clever algorithms that are going to yeah. figure things out, are going to send your kids certain yeah. messages without you knowing, be in a, in a very sly, native well, the, way. The, the data is so good now. I think... Have we talked about this or did I hear this on another podcast? Maybe both. Um, but the algorithms are so good now that the companies are able to predict pregnancies and they know... Women will not know, but they are very aware of how likely it is that a woman is pregnant before the woman even knows that they're pregnant. And a pharmaceutical company was sending Facebook ads to these women for yeah. pregnancy tests. Yeah. And they actually had to dumb down the algorithm because it was scaring the shit out of people. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's how good the data is. Yeah, and it's all there for sure. Before you and your body are going, I think I'm pregnant, <laughs> some pharmaceutical company is going, you're pregnant. And you haven't even taken the test yet, based purely off of your browsing uh, habits. So, um, so the article goes on. Oh, God. Um, and it does actually defend the parent here a little bit. It says that uh, parents' actions are generally not maliciously... In- maliciously, maliciously... Maliciously. Struggling to get that out there. Maliciously intended. In fact, they actually often see they are exposing something personal about their own life in such posts rather than of their children. Which, which kind of goes back to that point. Right. What you've just said about, yeah, the... Sort of ingraining, yeah. yeah. Um, so what the, it kind of makes the point of it's really time to question how individuals, both children and adults, should manage boundaries around sharing personal information and how they can control information that's shared about them. So posting embarrassing photos of Facebook without consent is definitely a tricky territory already. But what constitutes embarrassing is slightly different for everyone, Mm -hmm. which makes this new issue even more of a minefield. So, Plus, again, going back to these pictures, imagine if you've got a picture of you, like, I don't know, with your knob out as a little baby, like you're just, and then you've got in your hand and you're like messing around, like doing something. That picture is still there. That person's pulled it off. What if someone uses to get that against you 10 years later? Yeah. And then wants to kind of put, you've just gone out and and like you've become a prime minister or you've become something quite well known, like prestigious in society. And then the newspaper's got access to you when you was a kid, like wiping shit on your face. That's so true. So it's not. I hadn't thought about that. (laughs) So is that element as well? Now I'm wondering whether I should run for prime minister. <laughs> but oh wait, is, they're not digital. It's fine. So is, is that element that what you put digitized, whatever's online, is is basically can be used against you as a yeah. weapon later on? Like yeah. it can be in any way, in yeah. the same way that girls might share like provocative or guys might share provocative pictures of themselves. Uh-huh. That can be used against you later on. Right. But the other part that I think is really dangerous for parents, and I think this is kind of where you're talking about the boundaries, is just that. I think most parents wouldn't have a clue that probably they've got their, they might even have their Facebook pages public. They don't know. I think the parents are less likely to know actually how to use social media. And so they are using it in a way that is like, like a, a, a use, you're just pulling out your um, family album, mm-hmm. but don't realize that is online. And there's, that means it's right. out to everybody. Right. But it scares me that there's going to be parents who are taking pictures of their kids naked. It scares me that there's going to be parents taking pictures of their child in their first school uniform, which is blatantly giving out details of where their kid goes to school, mm-hmm. where they live, all these kind of details. So it just makes it quite easy for people to snoop. It also right. opens up the doors to a lot of dangerous people. Right. And this 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 section here 
kind of raised a couple of questions, which you kind of almost touched on, but I'm just going to kind of completely tear open that crack in the door. Mm. Um, two questions, which one's kind of rhetorical, because I think we all know the answer, which is, are we generally being too personal, personal about what we publicise? Have we got to the point where we've become too personal? Well, I think what the problem is nowadays is what we kind of class as our friends mm-hmm. is very loose. So you've got like loads of yeah. kind of shallow friendships right. and you don't really know about these people to mm-hmm. that depth. Like I know close people to around me. So you knew when that person came over your house and you show them the family album, but you've got like 500, 600 loose friendships and then you have a kid and now 600 of your friends who you don't really know what they might have done in their yeah. life or who they've become yeah. are now looking at your kids and seeing what your kids are doing right. and seeing how they're growing up and seeing where they're Some they of live these and- people you may not have even spoken to in person since you were five, six years yeah. old, but you're like, oh, we used to go to school together. You yeah. could be my friend. Yeah, but you don't know. He but could be on know. a sex offenders list. He could yeah. be on who knows. I'm not right. saying like to make fear mongering. Yeah, Luke. <laughs> My good old mate Luke. Are you on the sex offenders list? I don't know who Luke is. <laughs> but that was, for, some, for a minute, I thought you was baiting somebody out who actually was. Luke, Luke might be freaking out going, Wayne, what the hell are you saying about me online? <laughs> Again. But that's what I'm saying. So it's kind of, that is a bit worrying as well mm. that you're, you're putting out this stuff. But I think the biggest kind of, which is why I think I'm kind of happy that the, like France are putting this on the parents, right. is to actually say to parents, like, think about why you're posting and maybe educate yourself right. on like what kind of impact your post can have so i think by saying we'll charge you we'll find you thousands of pounds like they say maybe that will cause parents to say whoa that's a big fine like how dangerous can it be for me to post and then they're going to educate themselves to find out mm-hmm. and maybe they're going to take a sort of a, a kind of second look at like why am i posting this what right. is it and again we've spoke about in the past like parents using their kids as their sort of like Oh, here I am. Well, their well, identity. Th- well, this was this was my next kind of thing that this came up. Right? <laughs> am I just like preempting? Everything you are. You this just... is great. I'm loving this because we're kind of on a similar wavelength here. I'm going to take what you've just said and frame it slightly differently. Mm-hmm. So the other question which sprung to mind, and this is something I've been thinking about a lot recently, and I don't think one angle of this, and I don't think people have considered it just yet, although I think they're starting to. So if Social media is the modern day press, such as Twitter, right? Mm. Which I think, you know, it's the modern day news company, Twitter. Uh, And the phone is the new television. Is our desire for our own personal reality entertainment of our lives reducing our lives to the likes of trashy celebrity gossip magazines like Hello and OK? Ooh. So basically, people are making their kids their new Gucci handbag yeah. to share. And yeah. <laughs> and they're like, Beyonce is now pregnant with twins. And it's kind of like, yeah, but so am I. I and this kind of thing. And, and it kind of, it's almost uh, undermining actually the wonder of actually having a baby because it's almost being used as a, as a branding statement. In some ways, yeah, which is quite scary, but... I just think as well, like we, that's a really we, cynical view. I must, I know, I know, I must but admit, but I think people are always asking. proud of their children and always want to show off their kids and stuff. But I think it's got to that level where it's kind of now like expected that you maybe don't love your child enough if you don't post ten times a day about how much you love them, mm-hmm. or your friends need to see that okay, you have become a mother, but you're still having a good life, even though you've chose that direction as opposed to another one. And so I do think it's kind of it's a tough one, but I just think ultimately. 
like your your family's your family that doesn't have to be spread all over the internet and i respect people who just don't even want their kids in the public eye i yeah, think it's not too. nice to kind of do that on their behalf and so to, to be honest to kind of wrap up i guess i just think that actually france bringing this issue to light is just to get people to think a little bit more deeply about it mm-hmm. and i think parents need to educate themselves and i think it's not fair to put that much of a child who hasn't even got their own identity yeah. yet that yeah. much of them online they so. haven't even established their own identity and you're already establishing one for them and you're publicizing your identity you're putting onto them before they even know who they are mm-hmm. which is scary in itself i just want to just before we move on um just kind of want to flag up a couple of things so the article goes on um it did uh, there was a recent study done from the university of michigan which asked children and parents... Wait, have you actually done, like, a load of research? It sounds like you've got, like... I've been on it. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I've been on it. I, I just got really excited because these articles really, like, made me Spurred think. your imagination. So, um, so, yeah, so the University of Michigan asked children and parents to describe the rules that they thought families should follow related to technology. And there were two key ones that the article highlighted. Uh, one is that many kids said parents should not post anything about them online without asking them. Kids said that, yeah? Yeah. Good. I think that's fair. And both children and parents considered positive images, events, and news more appropriate to share than negative ones. An image of the child playing on the swings at the park is a lot less likely to resurface than a YouTube video of them having a tantrum because their breakfast not in their favorite bowl. <laughs> yeah. End quote. Um, <laughs> so the the kind of thing that kind of that flagged up to me is the fact that we're having to have that discussion about those because the the it highlights the fact that the positive stuff isn't the stuff that's going to go viral. It's the negative stuff that's going to go viral. So do we have a bit of a problem? This is kind of a rhetorical question because we kind of t- touched on it and we need to move on. Um, but do we have a problem with social media etiquette in general? I would say yes. Yes, for um, sure. And then the other point, which is kind of a closing point for me, and this is something I've had a conversation with a friend, re- or several friends with recently. Years ago, years ago, if you, uh, if you wanted to find out stuff about them, it was very difficult. It was very difficult. If you wanted to contact someone and to be able to contact someone, you needed a 11-digit code. <laughs> <laughs> of random digits now all you need is their name mm-hmm. their name is enough and you can find out absolutely anything and everything you want because we publish anything and everything online even better than that you could find a picture of them at the party you didn't even talk to them drag and drop that picture onto google and then google, boom pops yeah. up their face right. in many other pictures you right. find them simple that's so. it so on that basis just consider what you're putting out there very carefully. So that's article number one. We've got two more to do. Oh God. And we're 20 minutes in. So we're going to take a quick break and then we'll be back. The other two are not quite so in depth, I don't think, but we'll see. <laughs> see you in a sec. So we thought we'd just take a few seconds just to say thank you to our sponsor, yep. the University of Northampton. Huge thank you to them for supporting the show. Um, so why should you check them out? Well, first of all, we're alumni, we went there, so everything that we kind of deliver to you kind of comes from them in a way. Um, But also, 
that they're not just about getting a degree. The thing we love about Northampton Uni from experience is the fact that you come out of your course with your degree, but also there's so many options on the table. They understand that it's not just about going out and getting a job anymore. It's also about the possibility of setting up your own business and becoming an entrepreneur. And to top that off, <laughs> it's not just about setting up a business. It's about setting up a social enterprise. That's their specialist area. So if you're thinking of setting up a business, it can also be one that's doing good to the world and delivering social impact. So check them out, northampton.ac.uk. And a huge thank you to them for supporting the show. Welcome back. We're back. We've emptied our bladders. Yep. And we're back. <laughs> <laughs> I hope you did too. Um, okay. So we've got two more articles that we want to cover. Wayne's like holding his iPad in his hand. He's like, I'm prop- so proud of this. He looks like a proper journalist. I've done my homework <laughs> for this episode. I'm very proud. Okay. So this next article, this is probably the one that excited me the most out of the three. Mm-hmm. Well, the third one is, cannot be exciting. We'll come to that later. Um, so this is from fortune.com, okay, mm. reporting on a new French law which bars work emails after hours. Somebody's got into, like, parliament or government <gasps> in France and was just like, let me just make a shit ton of laws <laughs> 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 on digital. Someone's like the digital, they probably, like, hired, you know, like, everyone's, like, hiring digital marketers, digital uh-huh. this, they're like... I know, we need a digital secretary do, no, on do you know what? public something. Do you know what? <laughs> I think they just hired someone that just got bullied over the internet. <laughs> it was like, fuck this shit. I'm shutting this thing down. <laughs> so, now I think this is quite a revolutionary law that they've uh, that's nicknamed the right to disconnect, okay? Which went into effect on... Um, the 1st of January, New Year's Day. Um, and the law requires companies with more than 50 employees to establish hours when staff should not send or answer emails. Oh, bloody hell. Sorry, someone's texting. Um, the goals of the law include making sure employees are fairly paid for work and preventing burnout by protecting private time. Makes me very happy. Uh, French legislator mm-hmm. Benoit Hamon, speaking to the BBC, described the law as an answer to the travails of employees who leave the office but do not leave their work. They And I love this line. They remain attached by a kind of electronic leash, like a dog. <laughs> End quote. Do you ever feel that way, Wayne? I do. Do you know what? You know, you know how pissy I get when I get a work text. Mm. Now... I wonder if this law does include texts, because if it doesn't, I'll be very annoyed. But like, when I get texts from my boss out of hours mm. at the weekend, like, uh, just wanted to make sure you're coming in tomorrow. I'm like, yes, I'm on the rotor. Yes, I'm coming in tomorrow. Why? This is the most pointless text in the world. Of course I'm coming in. Yes, yeah, we'll see you at four. Yeah. Because that's when I'm down on the rower. Like, and it, stress, it actually stresses me out. But do you think that is because, I think is a quick, easy, bloody answer to this is ultimately, it's, it's tough because people have one device, but I think basically you've got to find a way to like, I don't know, if your email is all on the same device as the one you get your personal email, it's mm-hmm. kind of like, is it not just the person's responsibility to say, right. the, I'm not yep. going to answer that. And at the same time, if it comes through, I don't even want to see it. 
Mm-hmm. And if that's the case, there must be a way to be like, okay, I either have a work phone, which as soon as I leave the office, I'm going to switch off. Uh-huh. Yes. But I know there's a lot of pressure from some employees who are like, well, if you're going to work and we're in a digital world now, if something goes wrong on social media or something, exactly. some crisis hits, you've got to be contactable. And that's actually and also, a lot And also, of who really holds the power? Yeah. It's the employer, not yeah. the employee. I'm not going to lie. I know that when I... Because I usually do my emails in the evening because it's like, do stuff in a day and then at night I just bang out all my emails. Mm-hmm. And the amount of people who end up emailing me back and I'm like... Why are you emailing me uh, back at this time? It's like uh-huh. 10 p.m. Shouldn't you be like at home right. sitting on the couch or whatever? Yeah. I feel bad if I send an email to someone out of office hours because I'm kind of like, likelihood is you're going to pick this up and you're going to email me back. And I don't want you to do that. I, I never expect that. I want you to. No, I don't expect it in the kind of like, I demand a response. No, no, but no. I, not I in kind that of way expect as well. that people will. Because they're constantly. I see it as going in their tray, and then tomorrow morning they'll get in and they'll be the email. But then I find they email me straight back, and I'm yeah. like, because it's going to their phone. Yeah. I I took up the practice. It started at Christmas, and I'm kind of glad I kept up the practice. When the weekend hits, all work related notifications go off. And is that you can just switch that off? Yeah. Just... So the, on the iPhone, don't know about you, Android guys. Sorry, <laughs> he says self righteously. <laughs> um, but on the iPhone, you can go into each individual text message conversation and you can mute the conversation. So you'll still get the little red badge going, you've got a text message, but it won't ping and it won't come up on your screen. Mm. It will just have the little badge going, you've got another text message, and it will just, but it will do it silently. Uh, you can go into each individual app and turn off the notifications. So I turn off mm. emails, I turn off Trello, I turn off Slack and all those mm. sorts of things and just turn them off for the weekend. Yeah. And then um, on a Monday morning, they go back on. Yeah. Because then I'm like, right, I'm back into work mode now. Because that just helps just switch it off and not stress about it. Mm-hmm. I think I was just thinking in my head, like, I guess that works for everyone who kind of like works nine to five. But obviously mm-hmm. a lot of people listening might even be entrepreneurs. And I know for me, like the phone just can't get switched right. off. Right, And that, that's, that's <laughs> another, but that's another problem. Yeah. But that's another problem. And But I think introducing a law like this kind of resolves that issue in a way. Because if... The only reason that happens and why that's an issue is because people are working on their emails after hours, mm-hmm. which means then that the entrepreneur who is, you know, desperate, not necessarily desperate, but needs to keep on top of things is then having to work based on the fact that someone else is working after hours. Mm. If, if no shops opened on a Sunday, no shops, no restaurants opened on a Sunday, nobody would have to work a Sunday. But because one of them does... <laughs> It yeah. encourages everybody else to do the same because they're missing out on business. So if one shop in the local area opens on a Sunday, the restaurants go, well, hang on, there's footfall there. We're missing out on potential customers, so let's open up. Mm. And then they open up. And then yeah, everybody but else I also, I also think So it just becomes a vicious cycle. I get that as well, but then I think there's a couple of things going on as well. Like People think, oh, well, it's kind of like, oh, that mentality of if i turn up early for work my boss will recognize how hard working i am Mm -hmm. and so people don't mind answering emails or the other side is you know what i've got so much shit the trays never ending Mm -hmm. let me just get a bit done tonight and when i get in tomorrow my day might be a little easier so though though that being said the law is putting pressure on the employers yeah but the employers are not demand the employers are going to say that all day long like okay once you guys are off work like that's it it's done but you're going to get people who are going to think, yeah, you know what, I really want to get that thing done for tomorrow, yeah. and they carry on. Sure. So it's not... It's not going to completely resolve the issue. It yeah. never it's will. Still in, it's still in the people, the employees, mm. employees' hands. Right. But it just gives the employee the ability to go, no. Yeah. 
that's what it does, which I think is the important thing. Yeah. Is because so many, I know bosses that get pissy when they don't get a text back from their employees that aren't at work. Yeah. About, about covering a shift. And it's like, well, they're not on your time. And this is another thing that they bring up. Like, you're not being paid to answer your emails at home. Mm. So why the hell are you? Yeah. Was, it, was another issue. Anyway, <laughs> so much to cover. So um, it then goes on to kind of make a point about uh, workplace stress. Because this is another thing, right? So um, it goes on to say that uh, a group of Stanford business professors gave uh, have estimated that workplace stress in America, because it's an American article, uh, added between 125 and $190 billion per year to America's healthcare costs, amounting to between 5 and 8% of total medical costs, um, with overwork accounting for $48 billion of that. Well, it goes back to that thing we spoke about in the past as well. It's like, well everybody's become more productive, their output has gone up. But it's kind of like, well, people thought, oh, actually, these systems are going to make things a lot easier. But I think now it means that people can do so much more. Mm -hmm. And in the same sense, they're expected to do much more. Right. And that's the problem there is that if you're going to, again, we're in a digital world, Mm -hmm. it doesn't switch off. Nothing sleeps now. It's a ongoing. But it also comes to that point that I think we haven't talked about for a long time. But if I might get my rebel rebellious hat out, put my flag in the ground it comes back to this thing of the nature of businesses just trying to squeeze as much as they can out of the employees for as little cost as possible mm-hmm. and and they and they're able to do that because they have the leverage of technology now whereas before it was like you leave the you leave the office you're out the office you don't you don't answer the post until you get back in the office because guess what you didn't see the post till you got back in the office. Whereas now it's like, well, you've seen the post now. Mm. Why haven't you answered it? Plus, I think it might even be like if, you're, if your boss emails you at 7 p.m. and you don't answer the morning, I guess in some ways it's kind of like a little humble brag if you kind of email back at 8 p.m. and you CC him in and it looks like you answered at 8 p.m. and yeah. you're like, oh, good, he, he's, he's working over right. hours. It's a kind of like a little tick with your boss. So, Although what they don't know is that you could just schedule the email to send out at a later date. Potentially. That's what I'd do. <laughs> so then my boss would be like, oh, you're working late into the night. Go you. And I'm like, I wrote that email at 3 p.m. this afternoon whilst I was sat in the office. <laughs> but, um, um, I anyway. think, yeah, I think ultimately I think people need to decide how they want to live. And I think it's like anything, you start as you mean to go on. If you get in the habit of doing that at work and with your boss, if you don't set these boundaries, people are going to start taking a piss. And we know that if you mm. give people an inch, they're going to take a mile. Right. And that's it. And that's what this law does. It just sets that boundary and goes, this is the boundary. You can't get pissy with your employees for not sticking to this boundary or for, you know what I mean? Plus as well, like people, the, the work, the um, employee, um, employers themselves have to see that, look, if they, it's talking a lot about stress, you want your employees to come in the morning feeling like awake, feeling vibrant, mm-hmm. not feeling like, you know, I was up all night trying to get that email over to the client that we want to win. Uh-huh. And so it is about thinking long term. Yeah. It's nice to have someone answer an email at 9pm, but it might be better if they're in bed by 11 and they feel good in the morning. This is it, and you kind of touched on something that they said at the end of the article, which is um, the healthcare costs largely are borne by the employers in the long run, um, along with the the drag of irritable or absent employees worn down 
by the I love this. This was such a well-written article. Worn down by the colonization of their private lives. No. Um, and I kind of put a note, which is kind of what you were alluding to, which is overwork leads to reduced productivity, leading to the need for more work hours, leading to more overwhelm, leading to less productivity. Mm. Leading to more overwork. <laughs> <laughs> and the cycle continues. Um, and essentially, if deliberately or not, if you don't look after your workers, they're not going to look after you. Mm-hmm. And I think they yeah. might not have the mental capacity to do so. Yeah, and if you're listening, you're someone who is falling into that trap of actually having to answer emails late at night. Maybe you just need to sit down with your boss and just say, "Look, this is not something." <laughs> Go look what the French are doing. Yeah, look at the stats. <laughs> A quick question before we move on to the third article. Yes, because this came up because I read this over Christmas and I started talking to my brother about it and my dad. Do you a do you think this law will ever come into play here? And b how long before it does? I don't know really because... Because my brother got excited, I got excited and then I was like, hang on. Though. What about this law happening? Yeah, because I was like, hang on, this is in France, not in the UK. I don't think it will happen, number one. At all, ever? No. Really? I don't think it will happen. Okay. And at the end of the day, I think, I think British businesses are going to think, they're going to get to that point where they look, I think a lot of businesses already are, are looking at like these... Googles and these cool businesses and mm-hmm. I think they're going to make it really I think I think we know well-being is a massive trend uh-huh. I think they're more likely just in the future they're just going to say you know what I want to know that you're off lying at this time because then I can say our, our, our um, employees go to bed by this time they've got the highest well-being yeah. stats if you work for us we look after you we make sure that you're going to the gym in the evening yeah you're getting to go out with your friends I think at the moment it is that push for product productivity but as soon as it becomes um, financially, um, like it's going to increase your finances by actually having good high well-being of your staff, mm-hmm. which at the moment it's more about, as you say, squeezing the orange. But then people are going to realise actually if you've got an actual mm. staff with great well-being, great health, we know they're going to be more productive. So mm-hmm. it becomes better for your bottom line to look after them. Yeah. Then I think companies are naturally going to say, you know what, yeah. when you're off, I want you off. Mm-hmm. So it's more just uh, awareness of okay. the businesses really. Because my prediction was minimum minimum the earliest this law you can hope this law to come in is five years time the yeah. earliest at the very earliest do you know what's a f- i think it's 10 to 15 years in real in real terms and do you know it's quite funny as well though because we're talking about emails like asking answering emails badge does that also apply to like text because actually well, that's I, what I, I said at the beginning i don't know because I, I hope it does because i found a lot more of my clients that i'm getting more it's all text yeah i find that a lot more people so i don't mind it to be honest because it's quite quick yeah, but i can't mark your text as unread <laughs> yeah that's true that's a good point but i think because everyone's building more like personal relationships with the people they work with it's mm-hmm. kind of like yeah we can we're on text in terms and duh, 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 so uh-huh. But who knows? Anyway, we okay. need to move on. It's getting so on. we need to go on to the third article. Now, this is going to take a bit of a somber turn. Mm. Um, and I'm going to I'm going to preface this. We are going to try and tread carefully with this because it is a sensitive subject. So I apologize if anything gets said in advance that might <laughs> inadvertently cause any offense. Um, it is not intended at all because I think this is incredibly tragic. So um, this specifically referring to a report from cosmopolitan.com about, you may have heard about this. I didn't hear about this. I heard about this through you, mm-hmm. Jem. But um, it's about the 12-year-old girl who uh, live-streamed her own suicide on Facebook. Um, however, 
police have said, I don't know if the, how up to date this is actually, this may have changed. So if anybody does know, please hit us up and let us know. Um, but police have said that they can't remove the video. Um, so uh, I'm not, I've got a huge chunk of text here, but I'm not going to read the whole thing. I'm going to try and paraphrase it. But uh, basically a 12 year old girl uh, live streamed taking her own life on Facebook. Um, reason being apparently that she had allegedly been sexually assaulted by a member of a family. Um, but as I said, the police say that they can't remove the video from the internet, um, despite the fact that it's being shared continuously. Um, apparently, um, in the video, uh, which has been shared on social media a hell of a lot, um, the young girl's seen hanging from a tree Damn. Um, while the sun's setting. Um, and towards the end of the video, a woman who isn't seen on camera calls the girl's name. Um, but unfortunately, she was not able to be saved. Um, now, the the horrible side of this is that um, this has been shared a hell of a lot. It's gone viral, essentially, mm-hmm. with people sharing what is a really tragic video. Um, and because of the nature of the internet, it spread very, very quickly. And the uh, local county police department have actually received huge amounts of complaints from all across the US and elsewhere as a uh, US uh, citizen. Um, However, they've claimed that they can't do anything about removing the video because it's already dispersed across the internet so much. And some of the sites, now this I think is horrendous, some of the sites hosting it insist that they aren't legally obliged to take it down. Um, To quote um, police chief Kenny Dodd, uh, he says, uh, we want it down as much as anyone for the family and it may be harmful to other kids. Adding, uh, we contacted some of the sites. They asked if they had to take it down by law and they don't. But he kind of ends with saying that he thinks it's just the common decent thing to do. Mm -hmm. So what do we think? You, you, You put this to me as a as a something to discuss um and i think it's absolutely disgusting that this personally that the sites aren't gonna aren't willing to take it down i think there's just so many aspects to this yeah. that i kind of want to discuss this kind of the nature of now live streaming it's that kind yeah. of more live in-depth look into your life the other thing it goes back to what we talked about in the first topic about putting stuff online and once it's there it exists forever that's yeah. going to affect that family who knows who that and as you say, there's the safety issues of loads of other kids watching it. I think, I guess it's it's hard with this one because I don't know what the actual through line is is with it. But I think there is a is both because even even this when I looked into this article, this girl had been like sharing stuff online already, videos of herself saying that she was feeling down and mm-hmm. what they say anyway. Like she was sharing videos that kind of should have alerted some people that she was in a bad place. And I right. think we all kind of probably see posts from people online who mm. we think in some ways you might even make fun of or be like oh you know what look at them they're sharing this again and how i don't know something might be going on in their lives and mm. you kind of have a little laugh about it but underneath there that could be someone who's actually hurting and actually yeah. facebook and sharing is their way of kind of putting their arm out for help really yeah so i think there's that aspect of it um but also that i don't know it's a really really tough one i don't know what there's nothing i really want to 
I'm trying to say or kind of get out of it. But sure. I think it's just with social media nowadays, it's just so open and it's kind of hard. It's tough. Like what could Facebook have done? Could friends have been there to kind of speak her, to her? Could Is there any alert systems available online to kind of look after people who are like mm. this online? And I think it's really common now. We know that like mental health and well, all this these is, issues are... Well, this this is it, right? So if pharmaceutical companies, as we discussed earlier, can gather the data to predict a woman's pregnancy, mm. surely, surely that same information, or not same information, but the same system can be used to judge someone's mental well-being. Yeah, in the same way that... Po- probably even easier, I would say, mm-hmm. than predicting pregnancy mm-hmm. surely i think so i think as well it's like when they can start so why aren't they mm. i don't know really i guess i tell you why because <laughs> there's no money in it that's why well there is potentially if someone's sharing depressed stuff and they're gonna mm. say okay well let's sell them this i don't know tablets that help or let's sell them this product that's going to change their life and make them feel better and mm-hmm. This and that, I, I don't know, it's quite a tough one, really. But I just think it's sad that it got to that point where this girl is so desperate for help, doesn't know how to express how she feels, and the only place she can do that is social and online. And I think, to well, that's be honest, it. I mean, you have to consider that the girl, given the, the alleged situation, couldn't turn to her family, mm, of course. And but then it just came to my mind, like you you hear you hear about like obviously this is a massive story, which is really sad. But at the same time, how many stories do you hear of people who thought they were like a massive minority, thought they were having problems alone, when I made a YouTube video and found their tribe of people that helped mm. them and said, "Look, I've been through this. Look at all the YouTubers. How many yeah big YouTubers have said yeah. they've suffered with depression or Absolutely. these online celebrities who said I've been suicidal, I tried to kill myself, I tried to, and then suddenly they put out a video where they're real honest and how they feel, and then somebody comes through and you get a thousand people giving you support and saying, "Oh, you're beautiful, you'll be fine." Yeah. So there's that side of it as well. Yeah, and I think it's just these are just issues that come with the internet. There's going to be someone who shares how they feel and they find people to help them. There's going to be someone who shares how they feel and they're going to get a load of bullies and that's going to push them deeper into that corner. Yeah. So I think, I don't know, that is the danger of the internet and this is a story that obviously is shocking and especially like as live streaming has just come about, like, I don't know, will we find more people just, I mean, we have people putting up statuses, but will you just get that friend who you think is a bit weird and kind of, I don't know, go in their own world, just start live streaming, just start talking. And that's right. their next level of them hoping to get attention. Yeah. So I don't know. I don't know where it's going to lead. Yeah, no, it's it's definitely a tough one. Um, I just think it's it's definitely important to flag up because I'm sure everybody's going to have their own thoughts and opinions on it. Um, I think we are all very aware and becoming hyper aware of just how much social media has an impact on our mental well-being. And just knowing, I, I've become hyper aware of it definitely in my own life in the last couple of years. And just have that self-awareness of knowing um, how it's affecting you, how the people that you're interacting with are affecting you. Um, and knowing when is time to to switch off from the social media. And And as much as I love social media to a degree, and as much as I love technology to a degree... There is nothing that is going to ever, ever replace genuine human relationships, ever. 
Mm -hmm. So do not rely on those, these uh, digital friends to be the source of your comfort. Yeah. And I think the sort of, I think one good thing to take away, I mean, anything we take away from this story is understanding that sometimes maybe social media is not the platform to ask for help and it is gaining that courage. And there are places available who actually have the right help you need. And I know it's scary and I know it might feel a bit like tough, but these people are there to talk to people in those situations. Mm -hmm. And I think, I think social media is that kind of, you know what, I I don't have to see someone face to face. It's not scary, but I might Mm -hmm. be able to put something out there. And I think what we need is more people to kind of be brave enough to actually find the people they need at the right time. And maybe it is if you're spotting someone online who you think there's something up, reaching out to them personally in a DM and then maybe pointing them in the right direction. Absolutely. And don't ever think to any, any, this goes out to everyone. Don't ever think that it is a weakness to uh, ask for help ever because Mm. it's not and it couldn't be further from the truth if anything it's a strength to have the ability to say look I haven't got my shit together I just haven't and I need help Um, so I think we'll wrap up there Mm -hmm. a bit of a somber end to an episode um, but definitely worth thinking about thoughts of course, go out to the family and friends of the young girl. Um, and yeah, so I guess the through line for the whole episode, we were talking about this before we hit record, uh, all of these um, uh, articles kind of relate to um, the misuse of social media and the internet and things like that and how we can overuse it and we can over-rely on it and um so just consider how much you're letting it control your life yeah and sometimes you don't even realize it is so it's not even that you're misusing it you just don't know how you're using it and what kind of impact it might be having it's kind Mm -hmm. of just becoming more aware i think i think you just need to all what everybody does need just be a bit more conscious about what they're doing online and what kind of effect it could be Mm -hmm. having on yourself or those who are involved in your in your usage basically of course, of course. Coolio. So we'll wrap up there. Um, if you have any thoughts, please hit us up on Twitter at PN underscore podcast. If you have any other interesting articles please that around this sort of digital topics, please mm-hmm. ping them over. And also just let us know what you thought of the episode generally. This is a, it was a bit of a tester for us to see if this sort of episode would work. So please let us know what you thought. And on that basis... Leave us some iTunes reviews, pretty please. Um, head on over to powerfulnonsense.com forward slash review and we have instructions on how you can leave those wonderful five-star reviews for us. Um, and that will be all from us this week. So thanks very much for tuning in, guys, and we will catch you next time. See you later. <laughs>